This podcast is brought to you by NetBank. Whether you're thinking of franchising your business, buying into or revamping your franchise, stay tuned for tips on how to grow your brand and portfolio. Welcome to another episode of NetBank Franchising Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Schwen. Today, I have Grant Brady from Car Service City. Welcome, Grant. Uh, morning. Thank you for having me on board. Thank you for coming. And Grant, um, I uh, we were chatting a little bit off air about how you started the business. So, but before we start, just take us back, like take us back to your childhood, like growing up um, with mom and dad. Were they both both like business owners? Um, yeah, I was born in uh, Heidelberg on a farm, uh, so coming from the farming community. Uh, my dad was uh, in the corporate world for Bristol Myers, okay. um, so we often saw my dad being traveling and traveling around the world, and then lived there for five years, and then we moved to Australia for five years, mm-hmm. um, and after that uh, we transferred to London for a couple of years, and then moved to Belgium, and then back to London, and then I had a choice between uh, moving to Italy with my mother or moving to South Africa, and. Uh, chose South Africa and here we are. Okay, and, and then when you were a kid, were you like a kid entrepreneur? Did you start any business in school? Um, probably not. I was just probably the youngest of three brothers, just, you know, you know, fighting with my brothers and playing out, outdoors all the time. Mm-hmm. And what did you study after school? Um, after the army, I went to university, um, BCom at uh, UNISA, and then carried on to BCom Honours mm-hmm. in Maths and Stats. Um, and then I got a job on the stock exchange as a trader where I spent many years after that. And then after that, uh, took some time off and then found an opportunity in the car servicing game. Okay, so you say took some time off. Okay, I believe you started Car Service City because you took your car in in one December and something very, very painful happened. Tell us what happened. Uh, Well, I took uh, my car to a no-name brand workshop um, to get my brakes fixed. Um, They uh, called me the next day, said my brakes are ready, my car's ready, so I went and picked it up. Um, that afternoon, the brakes overheated and jammed. Uh, got the car towed back in. Uh, they, they said they'd have a look at it. Um, they never got to look at it. They closed workshop um, for the Christmas holidays and um, we opened up sometime in January. I had friends over from the UK coming to go to the bush with me and I had no car. I went to the workshop, phoned the numbers, no one answered. Um, so eventually when I had my car, got my car back, I towed it out. Um, they didn't want anything to do with me. They were, you know, quite thuggish on getting rid of me. Um, so I thought, you know, went to look at other options. The other no-name uh, brands um, didn't, you know, didn't give me much trust and looked at other op- other brands um, that we know, but they're just so expensive. So I thought there's an opportunity for us, you know. So I thought, what would I want if I had a wife or a daughter? What would they, what would they, you know, require? So it's like, you know, trust, reputable, affordable. So I thought, well, there's a, there's a market there. So that's how I started Car Service City on the back of that. And everything we've done was about making sure there's a trustworthy and affordable kind of service and a good old-fashioned service. Okay, so from from taking from experiencing the pain yourself in December to getting your car back, how long did it take for you to actually formulate it? Because, I mean, you need a capital. So yeah. was it a year's plan? It was years? probably about six months. Six uh, months, Six okay. months of just planning and doing some research. Um, seeing what's around um, and then doing the numbers and obviously it's not the prettiest industry in the world uh, so everyone's telling me not to go into it and how stupid I was um, and I thought let me give it a go and then opened up my first branch in Centurion um, that's probably in September and uh, and it just was success from there. So if, I could, if I'm understanding you correctly it's your first business that you started 
or well, he's actually he, I had my second business. A second, oh yes, yes, because you had a travel business. That's, yeah, travel business. So, second business that you started, and now you are, you beat the odds because most of the time people don't succeed, and you, with your second business, you succeeded, and it's, it's been going for more than ten years. Do you ever think about that, like how you beat the odds? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do every time, every now and again, my I do get to reflect and thinking, God, it's quite amazing in those days. Considering I didn't know the industry and the odds, and everybody thought I was actually lost my marbles when I family and friends that I was leaving like, a different world to go to opening a workshop. Uh -huh. um, it's not exactly the sexiest industry in the Because world. Because going from stockbroker mm. to wearing a suit and to live aircon aircon rooms, you know, quite a trendy job as well. Exactly. You know? Um, to this, so everyone said it would never work. Uh, family and friends, you know, people thought I was crazy. I opened up, you know, and only after some time did my family was like, "Oh, okay, I see what you see in it. I see the numbers there." Um, and some of my other friends actually just ditched me full stop because I wasn't trendy wow. enough for their their circle of friends. Wow, I bet I, I bet you are laughing now. <laughs> He's nodding. He's <laughs> nodding. <laughs> um, so. So just take us through. So, so take us through to the first day of opening and the chaos. Yeah. So we um, we found the site in Centurion and um, it's still there, right? Yeah, it's still there. Mm -hmm. And interesting. I mean, I didn't know a hell of a lot about tools or anything about cars in those days. So it's all about the signage and making sure I have you know enough tools to you know work with the cars. Um, so yeah, the, the, before we started, as a couple of us went door to door, putting flyers on gates, handing out flyers at the robots. Um, myself and you know a couple of others, and putting the post boxes, mm -hmm. and and that's how I started. Opened up on the first day, um, on the Monday, and nothing. And the next day was one car, and it's a bit obviously a bit nerve wracking. And I always remember my chatting to my my head mechanic. He says, "Don't worry, Grant. One car's better than no car." <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, we just got bombarded with cars. Um, into the fact that we had to actually stop for a day. Um, consolidate get the cars out and actually just rethink about how we did things and open up two days later and from there it was it was just again that's pretty amazing like you get to the point that you you, you say to yourself that we have too many customers we have to take a break from marketing it's actually unheard of in this day and age yeah i mean we were pretty handed out i don't know probably at ten thousand flyers in a week okay just a couple of us and i think it's in those days it was unusual the flyers mm. and having huge signage and, and obviously we made a big noise as well so and it's more affordable than most of the people around there. So take us through some of the growing pains for the, the, the past decade. I mean, was there first year growing pains? Or what were some of, if you can, okay, let me put it to you this way. If you can go back, knowing what you know now, how would you do things differently? Yeah, I think, I mean, we expanded really quickly in the initial year or two. Um, I mean, hindsight way too quickly, you know, we're just getting ahead of ourselves um, because we just didn't have the internal systems in place, the accounting functions, the IT, um, and that was probably our biggest mistake. You know, we were just growing without the, the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So are you pro-business plan or against business plan? Personally, um, against everyone's advice, I'm, I'm against business plan. Why is that? Things change so rapidly. You can plan for anything, but on the, actually on the day and the, during while you're working, it changes so often. Can you give me an example that you have somebody try to do a business plan with you or one of the executives? Yeah, I mean, my father, he was a corporate boy and he always made sure I, we had to follow the corporate routes, mm -hmm. in which I broke out of that mold in my family. Mm -hmm. And he's like, have you done a business plan? I was like, well, no, you know. We're just gonna we're just gonna go out there and give it a go. <laughs> it looks like there's enough cars out there and mm -hmm. people are wanting it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the rigidity of a business plan. A lot of people focus on the business plan and keep to it, but they don't see all the. They're so focused they don't see the external factors changing their business. So 
now they end up they might have the perfect infrastructure but they don't get the business for instance so if you if you if you're starting it today uh, what do you think is the most important systems and process which which area hr tax accounting i mean wh- where would you start I, for me, the biggest, when I look for franchises and people, it's you've got to have the drive. If you have the drive and the energy, you can make anything work. You'll make, you'll make a plan with systems and marketing and everything else. But how do you, so do you pick that up by intuition when you interview people? Yeah, when I, when I interview them and chat to them, you can see there's a, a dying urge to have their own business or dying urge to have that passion for doing what they do. And you can see it, people like, like you know, I say talk slowly or you know walk slowly. They generally don't no drive. Make, there's no drive. There's just no drive. And no they just, pun. Excuse the pun. Yeah, yeah. I drive so slowly. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, I believe that it's only after your eighth store you decided to franchise. That's correct. Yeah. Why the eighth store? Or was that? Oh, it was just by, by accident. Design, it was actually, by I mean, we were growing. We were, we were growing quite quickly. Um, and then. Um, I just thought about with people that asked me about franchising. I like I didn't really know a lot about franchising, so I went on a course quickly and read up a whole lot of books. I was like, okay, we can try that one. And then we started on our first franchise, and you know, generally the first franchise is you know, is the worst franchise because <laughs> you learn from your mistakes, you know. So I take it that you are an avid reader. Love reading. All okay, the time. so if there's somebody that is wanting to get into franchise, what are your recommended list for them to read? Uh, <laughs> not I'm not really on the franchising. Right? Okay, um, but yeah. business-wise or philosophy-wise? Yes, or? I think you, um, my favorite books are the ones that people have done really well, who are actually very humble business leaders, uh, and who have just accomplished from zero to to huge success, and they're still humble in today. Those are the people I like reading books about. Okay, can you give me some of your top three people? Yeah, I mean, I've just read one of um, Walt Disney. Um, if you can dream it, you can be it. Yeah, and like you know, Ride, you know, the, the, the latest CEO, mm-hmm. um, Phil Nag, I love, you know, um, Shoe Dog, competition, Alibaba, Alibaba, yeah, yes. Jack Ma, Jack Ma, yeah, I really enjoyed his book. I'm a school teacher, yes, to translate and, it, and his persistence. That. I mean, no, had McDonald's wouldn't accept him, and like he was always rejected, and he kept on pushing and pushing, and now like he's a like a. I know it's actually unheard of. Like Jack Ma couldn't even get a job at McDonald's. And yet he still went ahead. And his school teacher, it's, it's phenomenal. I love that. Stories like that, I always love. You know, the underdog, the underdog. Just underdog pushing hard against all odds. And he just worked 24 hours a day and eventually made it. So a decade later, would you say Car Service City is uh, the Goliath or the David? Uh, neither, really. I just We just see it. We just try and every day to make things better every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, people ask me, oh, you've done well. I was like, we don't, at head office, don't seem to look at it that way. We're just always trying to push for better, um, refine our systems, better em- employments, getting everything, systems in place, better marketing. You know, just getting things, making our, trying to make the customer's experience better all the time. So we don't really see what we've done. So you mentioned about the marketing, and I, I believe that I still see it. I'm sure that people in the studio still see that the guys in the orange overall. <laughs> yes. Talk me through how did that idea come about? Um, it came about um, from my first manager in Centurion. Um, he believed in it, and I, I did doubt it, I must confess. Um, he said, give me a week and I'll prove to you. So I gave him a week and it really worked. The business, the business blossomed. A week is very short. How many flies did he ask for? He asked for like six or seven, and I said, okay. Six um, or seven flyers? Yeah. Not six or seven thousand? No, six or seven flyer uh, guys handing out flyers. Um, That's incredible. Yeah, and and there was a return, we saw the instant um, increase in traffic. 
Um, and then obviously slowly we, you know, gave them bibs and over the time we dressed them up in, in um, hard hats to give them for the shade. And What was on the fly? What did it say? Do you it remember? Was this, yeah, car service city, major service from 395. What was the average uh, rate at that time when you say 395? 395 rand. Yeah, that was, in those days, that was for an average service for uh, cars from 395. So you're probably the average, we're probably about in those days, about 550 rand, 590 uh -huh. rand. So you caught people's attention because of the price? Correct, yes. And then we, are, we were cheaper than most of the people around us. At the... So my next question is, it, it's a it's a big percentage that, that you've taken off. Uh, compared to you, you mentioned the industry at the time was 500 and you're selling for a hundred and less I mean if you do volume that's quite a lot so how do you actually stay profitable I mean where are you cutting trimming the fat so to speak well we ran a leaner organization and um, especially at the time there we didn't have foremen we didn't have um, head the head mechanics we didn't have a whole bunch of staff in the overheads we had a very lean shop and we worked very hard and in those days we worked until like nine ten o'clock in the evening uh, to get the cars out so we did run the lean shop and we did so for a lot of the shops even to this day run the lean shop okay so that's that's a proven model and you you've just carried on and uh, i suppose modified it over the years oh, complete, yes we definitely have so what are the some of the systems and process that you've put in place that that you feel like it's just helped you grow and grow and grow because if you if you just um focus on price is a race to the bottom am i right because somewhere some of the, somewhere down the line you have to sacrifice something yeah, I mean, I mean, we still we still affordable compared to most uh, um, workshops out there. Mm -hmm. um, we're not the cheapest because we provide um, good quality products into the vehicles, um, so we're not the cheapest. Um, but we got the the system we put in place and the and the structures we put in place for the franchisees, if they you know they follow the follow that structure, they can make you know they make a really good living out of it. A good living, I like the sound of that. So, and, and also, the, you are aware, obviously, the, the, the SWOT analysis, and one of them is potential threats. And we all know what's happening. There could be a virus, could be technology, could be human. Um, what is your thoughts around that when there's, whenever there's a threat? doesn't matter from what sector. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be change in threats in any industry. I mean, we're very aware of um the possibility of all things um but we're keeping abreast of of new technology or anything that changes instantly we are we have meetings about and i chat to other people other ceos and see where they're going um and then use that information and then plug it into our business so we generally always got our ears to the ground on on changes okay so you basically seek wise counsel correct yes uh-huh all right so to sum it up grant brady gave us two great suggestions number one seek wise counsel number two always stay positive and that's how you build a great franchise and never ever ever lose your focus so i'm going to ask you some quick ones so these ones don't think too fast just answer all right are you smiling which is good your daughter yes okay all right <laughs> <laughs> i have a i have a seven-year-old daughter okay. um <laughs> wife yes i have a wife uh, she's a workaholic worker money it's important important net bank great bank <laughs> books love reading them Jeans. The, my suit. Your suit, okay. Uh, stats. Important. Accounting. Necessary. 
Computer. Uh, necessary. Sneakers. Comfortable. Comfortable. Great. Grant, thank you so much. And thank you, Charles. And uh, listeners, we hope you enjoy this podcast. This podcast was brought to you by NetBank. Stay tuned for more on franchising or search NetBank Franchising for valuable information. See money differently. NetBank.